How's it going, everybody? And welcome to the Beyond the Blind podcast. I don't know. Tried a little something different today. Maybe add some music to this thing. I don't, you know, it's uh, I'm still doing this thing on phones. I haven't made a big investment doing all this crazy stuff because, I don't know, it's easy. I can pull two phones out, keep it on me, and I can be recording a podcast anywhere as long as I got some service. So I really like the way, but figured I'd throw some music on there and see if you guys like it. That is uh, just a little intro we used to use for our hunting TV show. And, and of course, it would go on with video for a minute and a half, but this is audio. So about 10 seconds is all we need. Um, today is the duck call giveaway. We're going to go ahead and do that. So I've taken down everybody's name and how many times they've entered. And I've written it down on a piece of paper. There's some guys that have their, their one entry, two entries, three entries. Uh, you had to leave a review on iTunes that said the duck call. That was it. Every time you shared an episode on Facebook, I gave you an extra entry. So uh, there's some guys that have one entry, two entries, and there's some guys that have 26. They shared all 25 episodes, and then they uh, they left the review. So... It was a big, big turnout. I can't thank you guys enough for all the following, the response. It's uh, it's gotten way more than I ever thought it would be. And I've talked to some just really, really cool guys. And, uh, man, it's been real fun. But uh, we went ahead and threw everybody on the list. I was going to do it on Facebook. I'm still going to post these results on Facebook. But it's too hard because some of you guys did it with... Uh, did it with like your iTunes name and uh, it's real easy to tell you know a name like a, a freaking Kyle Huff or somebody that puts their name on there you know Jace Porter put his name on there but uh, we had some of these you know it was a mbhme one two three four three two one as their iTunes username there's no way on earth I'm going to be able to contact you if you win this thing other than through the podcast so if that was you um Go ahead and uh, contact me if that ends up being the winner. So I'm going to go to the random number generator. And uh, this took me all weekend to get worked out between work and everything. So I'm going to go ahead and generate it. This is going to be for that sweet, sweet Buckeye Burl call and uh, some spalted and uh, African blackwood and some stippling on there. So we're going to go ahead and give that sucker away now. All right. And who does that come up with? Hold on, I gotta find out. 43, hell is 43, 43 is, 43 is Josh Norris. Josh Norris, well, there you go. See, there's your odds. Josh Norris shared every single episode and he subscribed. So he definitely stacked the deck in his favor. And hey, that's the rules. That's the rules of the sucker. So Josh Norris, I'll reach out to you on Facebook, buddy, and uh, get your shipping information. I just posted the picture today of that new crazy Buckeye Burl um, black and green swirl hybrid from Swampwood Blanks. And uh, I think that's going to be the next giveaway. I just posted it up. I really like the coloring in it. Super cool. It's really hard to photograph. But that's going to be the next one. So uh, thanks, everybody, for participating. It is going to be Josh Norris as the winner, in case you missed it. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get fired up into today's show. I've got uh, a good one lined up for you. We tried to get this one in last week, but work just went hectic, and I had a bunch of stuff going on. And uh, this week we'll have Waylon Thompson on. He makes 
fantastic duck calls just some really cool stuff and uh i'm pretty pumped to talk to him about this and then he's been making these crazy uh these crazy fish nets um you know i don't i don't know what the proper turn is i, I have too much add to fish but uh he makes the dry creek i don't want to say it wrong hold on let me look it up real quick i didn't do any research we just rolled into this thing um i'm pretty sure it's dry yeah dry creek netco and these things are just ridiculous. The amount of time he has to have in them is phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, as always, if you guys want a paperweight, you can check me out. Send me a message on Facebook. Um, follow us at BTBN. Um, check out, like I said, my work, Unstable Calls. You can get you a, a paperweight to throw on your desk and at least look cool and have people in the office talk about it. But um, it kills some ducks too. But without further ado, here is... Waylon Thompson. All right, man. How are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. Oh, uh, you out in the shop? Uh, I'm actually sitting here in the in my house at my desk. Uh, I've got some nets that I'm working on and uh, um, trying to get the the scrimshaw done on the little uh, bow ivory inlay that I do on them. So. That's crazy. Did you, just to jump right into it, did you start scrimshawing? I, I remember seeing some on some of your calls. Was that something you did mainly with the nets? I can't, I'm having a hard time placing the very first time I started doing scrimshawing. No, the, the first scrimshaw I'd done, um, I guess it was about three years ago, I, I decided to, to give it a go, and I, I had some uh, scrap pieces of ball ivory and went to playing with it, and then got got pretty comfortable with it so i was like well shoot i'm gonna try a duck call and um it was just pretty simple scrimshaw and but it turned out looking pretty awesome i, I believe alan's got it in his collection he, he's usually got quite a few of my my first like that but um and then i started you know i was like started doing a few more man it got a lot easier and, and now i can sit down and do it pretty quick and like like these nets it's just a little bitty fly. It might take me about fifteen minutes to do one. That's crazy. Do you use like um the like a dot technique for shading, or is it lines? You know, like you see some well, really old ones. They have like scratches, and then you see some that are like kind of that dot technique. Yeah, well, I kind of I kind of do uh, a little bit of um, I, like my outlines and stuff like that. I use a scribe. And, and trade, you know, do my outlines with lines and stuff like that. And there's some shading I do the scratching, but uh, most of the shading is dots. And, um, I just like the look of the dot. You know, it's, it's a lot of little bitty dots, but I've got a way to uh, speed it up a little bit. I feel like you can build so much more detail with the dots. Like, some of the depth. You can. The shading especially the shading going from a dark to light you know you can really fade it a lot better with the dots than you can the scratching that's freaking wild man so you're just sitting around and you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna try this thing out like what was the did you first grab like an exacto knife or something and like mess around with it that way or did you like go out on the internet and you're like hey i'm gonna research and get a scribe tool and all this stuff well i had i had a little uh uh little bitty screwdriver up in the shop and i just uh, went to I, you know i did a little bit of research on what what to use and stuff like that and most of the time the way i am i, I like to make my own tools or 
I, I hate spending the money on, on buying stuff. So I took that screwdriver and took it to the grinder and, and ground it smooth, you know, made it round, brought it to a point, come in here and shoot that, you know, that's, that's one of the tools I still use to today, till today. It's freaking cool, man. And that's the type of stuff that there's so many call makers out on the market and you see a new one every single day, a new hand tiered guy. And it's, it's such a cool time to be able to see guys work from all over the country, whereas I'm sure they've been doing it for 50 years. You know, there's been guys in garages making calls for years, but now every you can see everybody's work. But your style, yeah. the first time I ever blew one of your calls was when Mike and uh, Will were at uh, CWA 2018, I think it was, early 2018. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd been seeing them on Facebook, and sometimes you see guys calls and you're like oh this could be this guy it could be that guy like your style is so unique that it's really really cool and you can just see a call and you're like oh that's a Waylon Thompson call man like that (laughs) you know it's so unique you've built your own style was that something that was planned or was it you just built a call that you like the look of and your style and try to put your personality in it 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 evolved over over a few years Uh, you know you look back at the calls that that I've first started turning and they they look similar but it took about i guess about five years to settle on the shape that i wanted that you know and, and at the time there wasn't near as many call makers as there is now so I, I settled on it because it was different than most people's and you know that's that's something i've always you know tried to tried to do was was make it unique to me and and different from from everybody else's well it's definitely like i said man it's definitely your style you can see it from a mile away you're like that's a freaking whaling man it uh it's crazy and another thing that you do that i have all the respect in the world for or you did for a very long time uh meredith always gives me a hard time about it as well is you flat jigged forever before yep. you went out and got a jig and he's like if i can convince Waylon to freaking get a jig man i can convince you to do it <laughs> man him him and alan they, they stayed on my butt for years about it but you know i i mean i yeah it was right at 10 years of making calls before i finally broke down and got a jig and you know and i'd say when i started out i you know i had a couple of public jigs that I used and I didn't really like that you know I could never I mean I could make a decent sound of duck call but I couldn't get it you know where I wanted it so that that's when I switched to the flat jig and uh man that flat jig I just learned so much and 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 being being here close to Michael and Alan um man I'd I'd get to work on a call and man I think that this this is it. I got it right here. And I'd take it over there and let one of them blow on it. And the thing I hated the most, I'd go over there and take that call and they'd blow on it and they'd say, ah, it's still just a little flat. Man, I don't know how many times, I don't know how many times they told me that over the last, you know, five, six years. And I, I mean, I, I got to where I hated that. They tell me that, I'd shit. I'd go back to the house and I'd work on some more for a couple of weeks and I'd get one that sounded a little better and I'd take it over there. Ah, you're 
just still just this little thing. Try this. Oh shit. Alright, I'd go back to back to work. Yeah, I think that's an inside joke between all of us is you know, that's a little flat. <laughs> they, they, they told me it for five years. Oh that see that's my thing, man, is like every time I get a tone board then I'm like, This is it, man. This thing is money. And I'll set it aside and, you know, kind of wait around and uh, be making some other calls. And I'll go back and I'll pick that thing up and I'll run it. And I'll be like, you know, I like it, but I wish it had a little bit more. And I'll hit it with the file a little bit more. Yep. And, then, and I'm like, I just can never bring myself to do it. I've, I've got to do it because my damn hands. I've been doing the flat jig the same as you. I started with the public jig ran calls for a while was like okay i'm not happy with the finished product it sounds like a duck but i'm just not happy with it i got a flat jig and i feel like three months with a flat jig i learned more than i did the first year of call making yeah now my damn hands man if i tune three or four calls in a day you know from sanding all the way down to a from a flat surface my damn hands are like vice grips they're just you know locked up yeah. so i've, I've got to break down and do it but i can totally respect and i get that and uh man like i said it's just bringing yourself to actually pull the trigger is it's tough man and and you know that was me i was like man i can always make one better you know if, if i make it get this jig well 10 calls down the road i'm gonna have one that sounds better that i would rather have a jig off of but um, finally pulling the trigger, you know, and, and getting getting a custom jig made off of one of my tone boards has sped it up so much and made it so much easier. You know, the the call that I'm building now off of that jig, you know, you stick it in that jig and it's it's not going to match that jig because. But I know I've got that consistent starting point with my my jig but i know when i pull it out i know exactly what i need to do where i need to file it to get it to sound where i want it now exactly and that's kind of the way that i've heard other guys relate it is it takes you to 95 percent. like it takes you to yeah. a really good clean starting point you're eliminating all the knocking off the you know the flat end of it and taking down your 45 right. and all that stuff it gives you a really clean starting point and then you can make your tweaks and then once you get that really clean starting point, you can start playing with drill depths and backboards yeah. and stuff like that. It just really opens up a lot more options, and I, I just have to do it, man. It's yeah, it's killing that's, my that's, hands. That's kind of where I'm at now with it is is playing with you know the tone channel length and the bore because I do have a consistent starting point. So now I'm 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 playing with different bore sizes, different you know tone length or tone channel links, you know, and stuff like that. Oh. Well, and that's one thing, man. Like I said, running that thing in 2018, I'm excited to see where it goes because that thing ran like a freaking stripe of goat's ass. You know, it was... I don't even know if that's a saying. I just made it up here, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, I man, I appreciate like that. that before. But, uh, man, that thing runs. And another thing with your calls that is so cool and it's kind of come back... And, you know, it's an old school thing, you know, aside from the scrimshaw, the checkering, all the crazy fluting and crap that you do, man, that is just gives other call makers just headaches thinking of, like, I'll show a picture of a call to my girlfriend and she'll be like, 
uh, you know, it's I don't really like it. And I'm like, okay, but look at all of these pieces. Those are all individual things that this guy had to do and explain the process. And she's like, okay, I can totally respect the process and how difficult yeah. it is. I don't like that call. I'm not referring to yours or anybody specific, but right. like as a call maker, seeing some of the stuff you do, I'm like, oh my God, that just gives me headaches. But like I was saying, another thing that you you do a lot of that's kind of come back is that freaking cord wrapping. Not, it's almost like looks like sewing string. I doubt it's sewing string, but yeah, it, crazy well, wrap. Wax wax cotton cord. Dude, yeah. that is ridiculous. And like I'm looking at some of them, you have so many different layers built up that if you get one that goes wrong when you're doing your finishing. I can't even imagine how many pieces have been thrown, cussed, <laughs> broken. Yeah, yeah there, there's been a few of them that, that have been thrown. How in the hell did you bring yourself in? Like, I can understand the guys that wrap a single color and do it horizontally, you know, with a piece. Like, I can get that. It's it's a pain in the ass, but I can get it. But, dude, you do some crisscrossing and weaving and crazy crap in there like how on earth you're a madman when it comes to that stuff how well let's see that 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 the, you know that that was a um the few that i done like that were was is a real fine thread and um i think it was i don't know last year about this time maybe you know, maybe still in the winter a little bit. I'm looking at one in um, July of 26 last year. So yeah, you're right on with that. Yeah. Time. So so right in it's about this because I'd made uh, I I've always wanted a um, a custom fishing pole. You know, handmade fishing pole. And so last year about this time, I I bought all the stuff and you know did the research and figured out how to make one. Well, on on it, I you know I I did the wrapping and. Um, at the time, Keisha, she was like, "Man, you ought to do that on a duck call." And I was like, "Man, that'd be that'd be too hard to do on a duck call." <laughs> yeah, but but she put the idea in my head, and 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 the more I thought about it, I was like, "Man, that would look awesome." And so I said, I come in here one night and sat down, and it took me it took me about oh ten hours to wrap that damn call. Oh my god! And. Uh, but when it when it got done and I put the finish over the top of it, I was like, hey, "Man, that's pretty awesome." Dude, it's like if if people are just listening to this, jump on JWT Custom Calls and look back in July, and like you said, it it is that fishing handle, you know, the custom look to it, and the wrapping to myself, like I can get the wrapping. It looks like a headache and a nightmare to wrap it up. But then when you go to CA it or whatever finish I don't want you to give away because you know it's your process and you yeah. figured it out like the air bubbles that I could imagine getting under there and holy crap dude it's just yeah there was there was more I think two of them that um I the first two or three that I'd done that I totally screwed the finish up and I was so pissed because you know I just spent you know eight ten hours wrapping this damn call and then you know get to the finish and, and screw it up and have to throw it away and start over oh. but uh after those two mistakes I, I i made sure to figure out you know what to do and what <laughs> to use you know i didn't want no more too many more of those kind of mistakes 
I can tell you, man, like on um, on nothing, you know, your level, but like on calls that I do inlays and tips and stuff like that on and just, you, you know, the more complicated the build that I do, before I clear coat, finish, do anything with it, I always cut it just to make sure it's freaking straight because I can't tell you how many times I've got a call finished up, polished up, ready to go, and then I go to cut the tone board and it walked on me. And I'm like, oh, dear God, i got to throw this whole thing away. <laughs> yeah. So I can I can only imagine the headache that comes with that stuff, man. It's uh, You're a far more patient man than I and most people out there. Uh, I've always, you know, enjoyed the, the, you know, most of the time when I'm doing stuff like that, it's a, it's of an evening or early morning, you know, usually drinking coffee and, and working on that stuff or, or late of an evening having a few beers or <laughs> a little bit of bourbon and, and working on that stuff. You know, for me, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I, I don't see how you do that. It pro- you know, that'd be frustrating for me. That's always been my Thank stuff that relaxes me you know and and you know takes my mind off off of the day or, or gets me ready for the day i can get that I, that makes sense to me i uh i relate call making so many times like there comes a time and i'm sure you being especially as complicated as your builds are that you feel the the pressure of the the waiting list and all that crazy nonsense and trying to get stuff done and having family stuff and obligations and different stuff to do and it's like if if it ever becomes a burden i just put it away for a while man because yeah, i don't want to rush through something you see this the last oh the last part of 2019 and, and really part of it was you know these these damn fishnets too um you know i'm i, I made a couple and posted pictures that, and man they just took off and and i was you know i had 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 my board full orders for that and then you know the duck calls you know i i was over i think in 2019 i built right at 250 the year before that was like 320 the year before that was 200 and something and man it was just uh, about october about about September, October, man, I was, I was pretty much just burnt out. So I, I, I really slowed down, and and um, the last year or the last part, you know, last couple months of 2019 and the first couple months of, of this year, I really just did not do anything. I, I you know, I, I'd work on custom stuff when I felt like it, but I mean, I was just burnt out and. And now I'm, I'm, I took a little break, and now I'm getting, you know, back into it and, and getting excited about it. But I had to, I had to take a break for a while. It's the exactly, man. It's the freaking like I've I've said it on podcasts before. Back in eighteen, early eighteen, me and uh, Meredith and a few other guys, we were doing this BTBN thing, and we were streaming a lot of live live events and me and michael were doing stuff like this but we were doing it on facebook live and we were talking about calling and call making and stuff and i was my call list was just you know building up and so i was taking less time away from call making and then i was trying to do that to keep guys caught up 
and I was, you know, trying to keep paying bills and stuff. I, I let call making become part of my income. And that was a yeah. horrible, horrible mistake for somebody that works full time still. And it just became a chore. It became something I didn't like anymore. And I wasn't excited about going out and making calls anymore. And uh, like I said, I sold everything in 2018. I mean, I got out. I didn't jump on call nuts for a year. Like I was completely out of the game. And um, in 2000, I don't know, throughout that whole year that I was off, it was probably six months before I started getting that itch again. And uh, Mig was like, dude, come on down to the shop. Come on down to the shop. Come on down to the shop. You can turn a call just to scratch the itch. And, you know, I just, I was resetting life at that point. And I was like, oh, I'll get down there eventually. And uh, it was summer of last year. And uh, life was going good, man. Everything had kind of calmed down. And I had uh, reset myself mentally. And I went out and bought everything within like a week and a half. <laughs> and, and I was just like, hey, I'm going to start making calls again. Like, you're going to yep. do what? You're going to start making calls again? I'm like, well, yeah, everything's already on order. I'm just going to start doing it again next month. <laughs> and I was excited. I get excited, man. If I get a box of blanks in the mail or somebody puts in an order, I'm excited about it. But I tell them off the bat, I'm like, I am the worst at getting stuff done quickly. And I, if, if I'm out there and I'm drilling a hole in a blank, getting ready to work on a custom, and my kids come out... And they're like, hey, Dad, do you want to go ride bikes or take a walk? I'm like, yep, absolutely. Turn it off. And I go do whatever else that anybody wants to do because I'm never going to lose the passion for it again. I'm going to keep it as something fun. So uh, I totally get that, man. Yeah, one one thing I've, I've started doing, and, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple other call makers about it too, is, is you know, you know, the... the the custom orders building building stuff that other people want you know i enjoy that um but it gets it gets old sometimes not doing you know what you want if you got something in your head that you want to try or something like that so man anytime something pops in my head now you know i'll run up to the shop and i'll work on it even if i've got orders or something like that but that that helps me keep you know the creative process and and the want to you know, to, to go up there, exactly. you know, keep it, keep it going. So I think, yeah, I understand, you know, I've got orders and stuff like that, that need, need to be done and need to get out. But if I don't, if I'm not 100% committed to that, that build at that time, it's not going to turn out the way I want it. And it's not going to be something that I want to ship out. So, you know, I've got to, make time to do stuff that i want to and that keeps me excited about those uh, you know those other builds the custom builds too right i think that's the right approach man i was talking with uh channing about it early in a podcast and he said uh kent had told him to uh you know whatever amount of days he's gonna work five six whatever it ends up being take one day a week and just go out there and make whatever yep. you want and off the book yep. call whatever you want and uh that just helps man and i i agree dude that i had ernie ross on last week and i was totally going to talk to him about that and i looked down at the uh recording and we were like an hour and 10 minutes in and i was like dude we haven't even talked about call making yet <laughs> i was like we're gonna have to do another one because i try to keep them right about an hour hour 10 minutes just to yeah. you know three hours gets to be a long time and you know some of you guys i could talk to all day long right but uh 
Yeah, dude, it's it's crazy, and I like the mindset you're in. And uh, you have so many different things going on with these these nets. How did you get into the net game? Well, I I went last summer. I went up to the to the White River trout fish fishing, and um, that's my next there was, brother. There was a um, live shop up there that we went in went into, and up on the wall they had one of them you know handmade wood fishing nets and it was it wasn't nothing fancy i think it just had like just a just a plain maybe maple handle and and like two strips for the hoop of oak and, but i mean i liked the, the wood look of it i was like man i'd love to have one of them handmade fishing nets so when i got home i got to researching them and pricing them and i was like shit i'm not paying that much for a damn fishing net that i can build <laughs> so uh i i went to doing the research on it and watching videos and, and stuff like that and uh, kind of figured out the process and so i was like shit i'm gonna give it a shot and i built the built two and uh posted pictures and 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 then it just went it's been crazy ever since with them I would have never thought there would have been a market for for a damn handmade fishing net like there is. Well, and that's the thing, you know. I I think I remember when you first posted up the first couple. I feel like it was like eighteen. Was it two thousand eighteen or two thousand nineteen? August. It was last last August. Okay. It ain't even been, it ain't even been a year yet. Okay, so I remember yep. when you first posted up a couple pictures, and then people were like. Oh, how the hell do you expect to pay two hundred and fifty dollars for a hand net? And I'm like, dude, you paid three hundred and fifty dollars for a damn duck call when you can go out and yes. get a, a polycarp for thirty. And I was yeah. like I just remember thinking, I was like, Man, he's onto something. That this is this is cool. It's not for me, but this is freaking cool. Yeah, and you know where I made the mistake, I, I posted pictures, a couple pictures on a couple fly fishing pages on Facebook and man, it, it it's unreal. You know, you know, duck hunters and you know collectors and stuff like that. They'll they'll pay crazy amounts for a duck call, and and fly fishermen are the same way when it comes to these damn handmade fishing nets and stuff like that. They're 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 unreal. You know, I've I've you know in in doing some research on them and, and different net makers. You know. There's some of them that charge, you know, seven, eight hundred dollars for for a little bitty net, and that's like wow, you know. And and they they sell them right and left. And it's it's just crazy. Well, yeah, and you know, people in the waterfowl industry, if if you don't fish, dude, fishing is ten times the market that freaking waterfowl hunting is. We are mm-hmm. a very niche, small group as waterfowl. But freaking those damn fishermen, dude! You look at a you know a sixty-five thousand dollar brand new boat. You know it's a different type of fishing, obviously. But the guys, how much money they have in tackle and fly fishing yep. is its own elite, you know, group of how much guys have in rods and stuff like that and different flies. It's it's a crazy, crazy game that is. It like I said, you're on to something, and it's uh, those things are nuts. <laughs> What I kind of like about it, you know, I mean, you know, when I started call making, there was maybe, you know, 75 to 100 well-known custom call makers out there. 
and and nowadays i mean shoot everybody's making calls and you know these nets there's only about uh, 15 or 20 you know really good custom net makers out there so you know it kind of narrows it down a little bit you know a little less to choose from so a little more unique on on what you can build well, and you've done some just, you know, like I said, I'm looking at stuff now because I like to look as I talk. It always uh, helps looking at different stuff. And some of the different inlays and, man, it's just so many pieces to the build. Like, how much, how many hours would you say you have in a custom call? In a custom call? Um, well, I mean, it depends. You know, if it's just a plain call with, with caps and inlays and stuff like that. Uh, I can usually have it done in four to five hours. Um, checkering a call, I think the most I've spent on, on, on checkering one is probably close to 50 hours. God bless, dude. Um, yeah, the checkering, you know, it's, I'm pretty fast at it now. I've, I've done it so much, so I, you know, I can, I can, I can do it pretty fast. But when it comes to, you know, doing a competition call or something like that, I really, you know, you've got to spend the extra time on it. And I think that the call, my my St. Charles call last year, I think it, I had about right at 50, 55 hours in it. But man, it was. It was probably the best best checkered call I've ever done. <laughs> well, I said it on the last or a couple of podcasts ago. I can tell you who's benefited most from this freaking quarantine in the call maker world is Brian Byers with those damn cradles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's in the damn checkering game. Yeah, and I, you know, that that was I, I noticed after after Callpalooza and and, and um, the little the build off we all did. Man, since then, I, I, people got inspired, you know, at, at that. Because, I mean, since then, man, people have just been picking up and trying stuff, carving, um, checkering, you know, and different stuff. And that's that's pretty awesome to see, you know, all these guys, you know, giving, giving a go at it. I agree, man. And it's... Uh especially with checkering and some of the stuff that you do with it man it's a very classical like checkering is something that used to be done so much more and then there you know everything i feel like in the early teens it feels weird saying teens but 2000s mid 2000s to the teens um you just see so much gaudy flames skulls all the you know the crazy stuff on calls and it feels like you know the checkering is coming back to mainstream and it's just a classic look to where you can pick up a call and you're like dang dude is this sucker from freaking 1960 or is it from now you know it's just a classic look and it's something that people just really really love and you know even younger guys that had nothing to do with the 70s the 80s but uh just really love it's a really clean classic look Mm mm-hmm so, that was what, what got, go ahead. What got me to checkering was uh, uh, back in the THO days. Um, I, I would jump on there and I would see 
uh, Brian's calls, Brian Byers and, and West Townsend. And man, I just absolutely loved those calls and, uh, and, and the look of them, the checker, and, you know, and, and so I, I said, man, I got to give that a try. And it, I, I enjoy doing it. And, and, but it was, it was those two guys, you know, work that, that really inspired me to get into it. And see, that's another thing that I really love about call making is you look at so many different industries out there, like, you know, just take like cell phones or computers and, uh, you know, say this company comes out with this crazy new thing. The other company's marketing scheme or strategy is to downplay that whole, oh, why this isn't good, why that's not good. But in the call making aspect, you see yourself or Brian or, you know, anybody that puts out, you know, Alan does some crazy fluting. And instead of, like, down-talking, oh, yeah, well, fluting, you know, this and that and checking, they're like, well, hell, dude, I want to try that. Like, it's... Call makers are just a weird bunch of dudes that... (laughs) They're doers, man. You can talk yourself out of doing so much in life. And call makers are those guys... They're impulse buyers. They're like, hell, I see that. I want to do... It's just like you with the damn nets. You're like... Instead of going out and just saving up and buying this net, which is way more logical for the person who's not going to make it, you're like, I'm just going to make the sons of bitches, and I'm going to start selling them. Yeah. Well, you know, that was kind of like when, uh, when I built my first uh, cedar strip canoe, um, it was, I, I seen I seen a picture of one, and I was like, man, I'd love to have one of those. And then I went to pricing them, you know, I'm, you know, five, five six thousand dollars $6,000 for a damn canoe. But it was handmade, and I was like, "Shit, I'm not paying that for it." You know, I, so I went to researching the, you know, well, I can buy a kit, but I'm still going to pay fifteen hundred dollars for a kit that comes with everything. Well, I bought a book and made my forms, cut my strips, you know, did everything from scratch. And I, I think the first one I had like maybe four hundred dollars in it, but it, it was. It was made, you know, I, I saved, you know, $5,000, but I was able to make something that, you know, I cherish from, from now on. Well, and that's something that you can keep forever, man. You can pass mm-hmm. down. And that's, like, your mindset is something that people used to have. Like, that used to be something in this country where guys went out and they built stuff on their own. And they were handmade. <laughs> instead of going out to the store and buying something and it was like you know i look at some of my grandpa's old stuff and it's just like he went out and he just made shit and then you get in the 90s and 2000s and everybody's just buying it and if it's crap they throw it away they go get a new one but i really love it's a piece of americana of where that canoe man you can pass it down you can pass down those nets you're making these really really hand quality pieces of you know hunting and fishing that are so much more than what they're used for oh sweet this this net was used to you know pick up this trout out of the river well no this was my grandpa's net that he made you know 120 years ago and it got passed on down through the generator it's the stuff like that that just i think people love once they find it they see it and that's the type of feel that your stuff has to it it's really cool man I appreciate that, man. It's a uh, you're you're a madman with all that stuff, dude. It uh, <laughs> the time in the day, like you you went full time on this whole gig recently, didn't you? Yeah, well, 
Um, I guess it was. It's been three years that I've pretty much been doing it full time. Uh, there was there was a little period there that I took a little part time job here locally, and um, was was doing that. But uh, I get last year February when 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 my daughter had her accident. After that, I uh, I've pretty much been full time with this since then. Um, but on and off for three years, I guess. When I, I was working in the oil field. And um, the company I was working for laid everybody off. They, they kind of shut down, laid everybody off. But, but they gave us a big severance package. And um, I took that severance package and paid everything I owned for, you know, my major bills, house, vehicles, you know, stuff like that. Paid all that off so it would allow me to, you know, do this full time, you know. To be able to take the risk. Yeah. Now all I've got, you know, is, is my utilities. I mean, that's that's really about the only bills that I have. So I I have the luxury of being able to do it because I don't have as much to worry about as, you know, other people, I guess. What was that transition like, going from freaking the oil field to working 18-hour days and being gone? I don't know what you did in the oil field, but, you know, a lot of oil field guys are gone for yeah. months at a time and... I was I was gone for I'd, I'd be gone for two weeks I'd work two weeks on two weeks off you know I was gone for six months out of the year and that was uh, I had when I got laid off I had other job offers but man I, I missed so much being gone you know six months out of time or six months out of the year my kids growing up and stuff like that and, and when it was when I was done with it and they laid us off, I was like, you know, I'm going to stay home and, uh, you know, being doing this, I'm able to take off when I want to go hang out with them or, or you know, spend, you know, get them. We'll take off for two days, three days, you know, go floating, go fishing, go camping or something like that. And it, it's been probably the best thing that ever happened to me. It was being able to do this full time i agree man that's uh that's the most important thing i had a a job a couple years ago that i was working third shift and i was working 12 on 12 off 12 on 12 off and then they started making mandatory weekends 12 on 12 yeah. off. and i was working overnights and i was getting home at uh noon and then i was trying to sleep three or four hours wake up play with the kids, get them ready, and try to catch like a 30-minute to an hour nap right before work. And my whole – it changed my whole life. It just – I was making twice what I make now. But I was just cranky, man. I, I didn't want anybody – everything was a, a hassle. Anytime anything didn't go smooth, it was just a hassle. And I was missing my kids grow up. And one day I just – I told – I was like, this is it, man. I'm done. I don't have a plan. I don't know what the hell – I'm going to do, but I'm done with this, you know, yep. and uh, that that was the smartest move I ever made, and, you know, I wish I had some of the money sometimes, but there's nothing like being able to go pick up the kids from school or, you know, hey, I have a soccer game tonight. Well, I'm going to go to it. I have girls, so we, we watch soccer, but, uh, <laughs> hey, I have a soccer game tonight. All right, I'm going to be there. Awesome, you know. 
I don't know anything yes. about soccer, I'd be interested in coaching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, def- I definitely make a, a, a lot less money than I did when I worked in the oil fields, but I, I, I'm 110%, 200% happier now because I'm able to, you know, spend time with my kids and, and family and, and do the stuff that I want. Exactly, brother. That's beautiful. What I was going to, uh, I think I even forgot to ask you. I said, how many hours do you have in a duck call? How many hours do you have in a dang fishing net that's, I don't know, like, put in a it's, crazy fishing net? Segmented, inlays, um, craziness. Usually, I, I think I'm right at about probably 12 to 15 hours in a net but it's 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 a it's usually a three or four day process because you know one day you know when i get started on it one day i got to steam steam all the all the strips and then bend them around some forms and let them dry for a day and then the next day i'll go in there and glue everything up and then let it dry for a day and then the next day i'll i'll shape it sand it get everything smooth and um and then start applying the finish and the finish depending on the wood usually takes you know a day or two you know to finally get all that oil to soak into it so you know it's a it's a three or four day process but the hour hour wise it, it might only be you know 12 to 15 hours do you do them in like you know batches to make it a little bit easier to like yeah. hey, i'm gonna dry you know and shape and stuff like that today yeah the first the first first few first probably 10 or 15 that i did i, I would start one and i'd work on it till till i got it done and then i figured out you know well if i do if i do four or five at a time you know steam and bend four or five different you know nets the strips and then glue them all up and, and you know I, i'm constantly when this one's dry this one's ready to glue up i can glue this one up and then you know and, and kind of got the process a little figured out so yeah work on them in batches usually five to ten nets at a time is, is what i got going right on what did the uh what the wife say when you said I know I've been doing these duck calls for a while, and it's kind of taken over my life. I think I'm going to start making uh, making these nets, too. What would she say to you? Hey, anybody that knows me knows that if I if I got something in my head that I want to try, that I'm going to do it. And they're like, well, go for it, you know. You know see what you can do, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. And they they might say, man, don't you got enough going on? Yeah, well, yeah, but I want to try. I want to do this. I want to. I want to try this. Or, you know, that's they, the, they give me a hard time every now and then, but not too much. Well, that's good. That's the thing that I find the hardest with. I'll come in after seeing something, you know, and I'm like, man, I have a lot of. I have so many interests everywhere. I like doing everything, and uh, I've had to narrow myself down to, you know my extracurriculars quote unquote and uh, I'll come in and I'll start talking about something that's so cool that I saw going on and I'll start talking to the girlfriend about it, and you can just see the panic in her face of oh my god you're you have an addictive personality and I know that you're gonna go head you know balls deep in this thing yep. <laughs> and uh yep. yeah so it uh 
I have to talk myself out of doing a lot of stuff just because I know that my plate is already so full. Yeah, I, I do catch myself doing that. Cause like, you know, sometimes I think, man, you don't need another project. You've got, you got too much stuff going on now. You know, my, my son, he, he builds knives and, and, uh, which he, you know, he, he just graduated a couple years ago and, and, he's he's into chasing girls right now so he don't do he don't do near as much as he used to but you know i was like man i'd I'd like to build me a knife or two you know so i got to (laughs) work with him and 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 then i got to think about it man i I really you know i still do a few every now and then but i really don't need you know the headache of, of another project you know or or another you know business or whatever you know, taken away from everything else I've got. <laughs> exactly. I'll uh, I'll tell the girlfriend. I'm like, you know, I'm a I'm a damn workaholic, and you know, I'll be at my actual job that pays me money, and uh, I'll be talking to guys. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a freaking workaholic, man. I work myself. And they're like, you're the first person to clock out at the last minute, and freaking as soon as you get back, you are clocking off and running out the door. I'm like, yeah, because I do three or four hours if i'm lucky at home every single night like I, I i'm the the least like at the company i'm like oh yeah i don't give a crap about being here but at home like i said i'm a damn workaholic <laughs> yep so i totally get that man so was that the uh what's your favorite type of r&d is it going out and r&d in your duck calls or is it going out and r&d in fishing nets man it any of it that yeah that's uh I've always, you know, I like I like doing any of the research. You know, trying to figure something out is is what I enjoy the most. You know, I, I you know, I didn't I didn't know nobody that made a made a fishing net, so I had to do all the research and, and trial and error, and figure out what works and what finishes. You know, and different stuff like that. Um, to uh, to get it to where where they are now, and that was when I got when I got them started. I wasn't I wasn't sure what what kind of finish to put on a fishing net. Yeah, because you know I, I knew it needed to be waterproof or or, or but it, you know it also needed to be scratch resistant because you know you're, you're sticking it down in a in a creek or a river or whatever going to hit rocks and stuff like that. Yeah, CA is not going to work on that. No, so I I, I, I talked to uh, Aaron Winger. I, I sent him a message and and uh, you know because when it comes to finishes, that that dude is about he's the, the most knowledgeable out there. Yeah, if he says it, I take it as gospel. I told him. Yeah. That. <laughs> so, so I I got a hold of him and we talked a little bit about you know I told him I said I'm thinking an oil finish and he said yeah he said the oil finish will probably be you know because it'll soak into the wood and so that's what we said I settled on was was an oil finish on them. And then wax, wax, and wax them afterwards. You know, kind of repel the water a little better. But man, I'll put I don't know ten coats of tongue oil on it. Let it soak in good. When when I'm done with them, you stick them down in the water, and they come up. They you know the water just beads right off of them. (laughs) I'm hoping I'm hoping it's a pretty durable finish. Yeah, man, our dude, tongue is as good as anything out there. So ten coats, I can imagine. Takes yeah. a while to build up a good finish on them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
you're out there and you're like what you said you didn't like duck call making everybody had tho forms from i don't know mid 2000s to i guess recently and then you have facebook you said you had no idea what the heck to do with this these nets i know this is a, a waterfowl call making podcast but your stuff is so unique that uh i don't know man i'm interested in everything so uh like what did you just like well i know it it needs to be in a hoop and i i've seen people steam wood before and bend it like how the heck am i gonna tackle this like did you did you read old forums or find anything out or was it just all i'm gonna go out to the most of most of the stuff on, on these that i that i the research where i found for these was was on um uh, youtube um i just i started searching you know uh, handmade fishing nets and it, it would pop up a video of them you know steaming them and bending them and, and gluing it up you know that was really the only the only thing that i was didn't have a really good idea about was was the bending bending the bending of the hoops everything else you know it, it just was was pretty easy and um so yeah I, I just researched you know youtube videos on on bending wood and and different stuff like that you know it didn't have to be on a fishing you know bending bending wood for you know furniture or you know stuff like that, and, and and kind of building the canoe. When I built the canoe, I had to, I had to steam some of the wood on that to you know to get it to shape. So I, I still had I, I had a little bit of an idea of what to do, but I it wasn't hundred percent sure on it. But yeah, after after watching a few videos on YouTube, I was like, shoot, you know, I think I just figure it out. And then it was just a trial and error process after that, figuring out what worked best and and the, the amount of time I needed to soak them and steam them and stuff like that how many hours would you say you had in this canoe uh the canoe i built two of them now the first one i had probably 150 hours in that that was over a three-month period of time um the first one i you know i didn't know nothing about it so i i learning as you go <laughs> yeah, learning. I, you know, I, 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 I do the research on on the process that I was on, and and I would do that process, but then I get it done. Then I was the next stage of it. I was like, oh crap, what do I do here? So I would do some more research, and and, and then work on that process. So it took about three months to build that first one. The second one, I've got about oh probably ninety ninety hours in it and did it in three weeks and that was you know i knew every i knew the process processes then i knew what i needed so when i got started on it i ordered everything headed at the house so when i got started i didn't have to stop but it was that that was probably one of the you know the two most enjoyable builds i've done i'm fixing i've, I've made my mind up i'm gonna build me a kayak a cedar strip kayak and i just gotta find the time to get it started and get it going yeah man you're uh that's a crazy bit busy life and like i said dude you're just i can only imagine what the people that live around you or around your shop are like he's always got 
some crazy <laughs> shit going on out there. Yeah. <laughs> the mailman, the mailman, you know, and I order some stuff, and he'll, he'll bring it up. I'm usually in the shop working, he'll bring it up, and he'll get out, and he'll come up and he'll bring it to me. He's, well, what are you working on today? And I said, well, I got this. <laughs> and he said, we're, he said you, you're just too creative. I was like, well, it keeps me busy. <laughs> well, I, like I said, man, you are a guy who... I, a lot of call makers relate to but i think the general public because i get weird looks all the time just out blowing calls in the garage and working on stuff out in the garage and neighbors will drive by and wonder what the hell i'm doing you are a guy just like the rest of us who is just wired madman you're a madman <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's so cool and i i've watched your stuff for years it's just always fun to see what the hell you're making what envelope you're pushing and like i've seen stuff come out of your shop that i'm just like good night man okay the game just changed again you know there's there's guys like that that uh every time they put out you know this call that they've got 50 hours into 90 hours into you know all the different stuff and you're like okay the game just got reset it was kind of you know the covid with the checkering you're one of the guys that everybody knew your crazy checkering and it seems like everybody and their brother is checkering today but it was like you know, Wayland's the checkering man, and it was like, you know, every time, just the the table. It's an exciting time to be in call making, follow call making, if you collect call making, all that different type of stuff, because the game just keeps getting elevated. Guys are pushing yeah. each other harder than ever, and it's so fun to watch. Yep. I'm and not, that, you know, that's, you know, it's you. You've always got to push yourself, and and. Or me, that's the way I've always been. I've always been, you know, I, I, I can do this, but I can also do it better and change it up and make it make it my own, you know. So, you know, I've all, I'm always trying different stuff, trying to, you know, make it better, make it unique, or, and, and like you say, up the game a little bit to it. Be creative, man. And yeah. uh, that's something I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, if you're just one step better than you were yesterday, at the end of the year, you're going to be a whole different, you know, at whatever you want to do. Like, yep. it's a process. It's just every day, don't be content. It's when you get content, you get left behind. And that's right. That's why I love talking to all these guys, you know, yourself, Michael, freaking um, just anybody out there, Alan, and. Uh, it's just watching the guys that are pushing the envelope and constantly it's inspiring to the guys that aren't doing it yet like i'll see something that you know somebody will post and i'm like well i guess i'm going out to the shop tonight and i'm gonna either screw something up or make something cool but it just it keeps evolving the game and it's it's awesome dude you're inspiration to a lot of guys and the way that you live with I follow you guys all the time. You guys are always outside, camping, out on the river. And that's whenever we get time, dude. That's what we're doing. We're out at the lake. We're out at the river. We're out trying to, you know, find some... Like, uh, we have... Me and my girl, uh, we'll have kid-free weekends. And we'll take the kids a lot of places, too. But there's a lot some stuff that we try to do that you can't take the kids. And yeah. uh, we live in southwest Missouri, not too far from you. And uh, we were down at... Um, uh, Devil's Backbone yesterday. The water is so high at Bull Shoals, it it didn't have anything to jump off of. But we're always 
researching all these different places that we haven't been to or haven't been to in a long time or the other one hasn't been to and just going out and trying to have an adventure outside rather than sit at home and watch freaking Netflix or sit on your damn phones all day. We're always trying to find something to go out and do and see something new. Go have an adventure. And that's, man, that's what you're doing all the time and you're tying in these handcrafted, they're pieces of art into it and i've just always loved your style and the way that you do things thank you man i appreciate that i i, I enjoy living here where i do because it allows me you know you know you know i'm right here at the bottom of the ozark mountains and, and i'm up know, at the top fish, brother. <laughs> fishing hunting hiking canoeing you know i mean there there's so much to do around here and i just every chance i get i try to get out and enjoy it you know i mean like you said, it's a lot better than sitting in the house all day or, you know, playing on the phone, watching TV. You know, it's a lot more enjoyable. It makes your soul feel a little better being out, you know, in in nature and, you know, stuff like that. Being connected, man. It's a hell of a lot better than right. sitting in a cubicle or in a freaking factory working for somebody else. That's right. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving me some time, man. Like I said, uh... You're another guy. You're like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to talk about. But uh, we've already been going for an hour, brother. Yeah. <laughs> it goes quick. It doesn't seem like it. It goes quick, man. It, when you yeah, start well, talking about call making and hunting and stuff like that, it goes super quick. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, brother. And if guys want to get on your wait list for a call or a net or maybe a canoe, you know, down the road. Uh, no. <laughs> Like not, not a canoe, you know. <laughs> if they want to sell a kidney to buy a canoe, I bet you go for it. I don't know, man. That, that, that's, uh, if, if that one turned into a job, I, I, I might just have to hang up everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people want to do get on the wait list for a uh, call or a, a net, where do they reach out to you? Give you a uh, my call page is uh, JWT Custom Calls, and um, the nets is uh, Dry Creek net company uh both you know both pages are on facebook or they can just uh, reach out to me personally you know um, you know through messenger or something like that awesome man if you guys have not if even if you don't want to buy anything at the moment go check out this stuff it is ridiculous the dude like i said i've said it a million times he's a madman and uh go out there and like share support everything he's got going on because it's crazy but uh, I appreciate you, brother, and I'll let you get back to work and uh, enjoy the rest of the day, man. All right. You too, man. I All appreciate right. it. Yeah, buddy. Take it easy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. That was Waylon Thompson, and uh, yeah, dude's awesome. He's He's got so much stuff going on. He is, you know, a lot of guys, we do this as a, a tinkering thing out in the garage and that's awesome a lot of guys just go out and duck hunt and that's cool too but uh he is really really he's like an, a throwback character to the to the 1800s early 1900s where everybody was making everything by hand and it's like well heck i'm not going to the damn store i'm gonna buy this thing and or i'm gonna make this thing by hand instead of buying it so go check out his work it's super cool um follow us on facebook instagram Keep subscribing, leave us reviews, whatever you think it is. Um, check out the BTBN page here coming up today. I'm gonna go ahead and share that uh, that call that I made. That's the next giveaway. I haven't figured out the details yet, but it uh, it'll be in the next couple of podcasts. So 
Thanks, everybody. Have a good...